0: Welcome to this podcast from the Bay Church. We hope you're blessed by the message. To find out more, please visit our website at www.the-bay-church.org.uk We've been looking at the last few weeks a series about being apostolic people. What does it mean to be apostolic people, a church made up of apostolic people? And Alan's um, shared some incredible thoughts with us hasn't he and, and Paul and and I'm really excited to say that I think the next four weeks Alan's just going to knock it out the park. <coughs> We're going to give him that space to just really go after more of, of this, what it looks like. Um, he is still down in Sully, Sully Hall where the Order of St. Leonard is based and uh, what an incredible day yesterday. If you haven't seen on Facebook. Uh, the photographs I encourage you to go on there uh, to, to encourage Paul and uh, send your love and your, your messages to Alan. It sounded like um, it was a brilliant day. I got the, some of the live pictures of Alan being completely whacked in the Holy Spirit. So that was fun to see. <laughs> uh, so we've been looking at the word apostles. What does it mean to be an apostle? and uh, we've talked about it being sent ones. And I just wanted to point out the beginning of what I'm saying today that that, that term apostle is borrowed from the Roman emperor, Empire. It was taken um, by Jesus from a military term that was being used in his day, where the emperor would, would call forth some of his army and he would place his authority on those soldiers. And he'd say, now go and cultivate and create a culture that makes me feel at home. That is exactly what I want. Wherever I travel, as you've just occupied and taken, taken this new territory, now go and make it look just like this, how I want it to look. That is what the word apostle means. So to be apostolic people, is about understanding the authority that we've been given and actually being sent to bring the kingdom of God. Everything that the king and his authority has given us to do, everything that he desires, apostolic people cultivate a culture that makes the king feel at home. That's why we've been focusing on heaven this morning. Because actually, he's going, yes, here I am, worship me, see all that I love, see all that I desire in this place, and bring that on earth, wherever you go, let it look like that, yeah? It's different, apostolic is different from the office of the apostle, just the same as prophetic is different from the office of the prophet. The prophet is there first and foremost, to stir up the prophetic in everyone. Not to prophesy, but to stir up the gift of prophecy that we've all been given. The apostles are there to create an environment for us, to stir up that apostolic in us, the authority that God's given us, and to send us out to know who we are so that we can go and create a culture that is what God wants us, wants it to be. And you can see that if you look in Matthew 10... Jesus calls together his disciples. The beginning of Matthew 10, it says in my Bible, Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. And then it goes, here are the names of the 12 apostles because he'd just given them his authority and he was sending them out. Do you see, they switched from being his disciples to being his apostles. And it says, um, go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is here. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out the demons, give as freely as you've received. Their message was the kingdom of God, everything that God wants to happen. They became his apostles, yeah? And actually, a few verses before, he would taught them how to pray. And he'd said, this is how you pray our Father in heaven. It's all about sonship. It's all about knowing who you are and who he is. Understanding that it's about relationship with the Father. May your name be kept holy, God. May your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. It's an apostolic prayer that he taught them to pray. Yeah? It's exciting, isn't it? think that this is who we are, this is how he's called us to live. Is that annoying you? <laughs> I know that Alan has got several more weeks to talk about this, so I actually just want to look at a passage today that um, I don't think I've ever heard anybody preach the message that I'm going to preach, so I want you to check it out. I want you to see if you agree with me. I'm asking questions, and I want you to ask the same questions. Why is this important? Why is this passage here? What are you trying to say to us, Jesus? Um, So I'd like you to turn to John chapter two. And in um, this passage, it's actually Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you should know that. Um, this This is the first recorded miracle that Jesus did in the book of John. Okay, so usually it's quite significant, isn't it? Jesus is is beginning something here. He's trying to demonstrate something here. And uh, let's just read it. Verse one, the next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities. So Jesus' mother told him, they've no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each one held 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. And when the jars have been filled, he said, Now dip some of it out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. Host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone everyone has had a, a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you've kept the best until now so I'm imagining you're all thinking I'm going to talk about Jesus turning water into wine but I'm not (laughs) I started asking some questions over the summer when I was reading this passage and one of the questions was why does it talk about Mary why does it say that Mary was even there and then dialogue the conversation with Jesus. Surely, if this was Jesus' first miracle, and the, the gospel writer wanted to record that, he would say, Jesus was at a wedding, they ran out of wine, so Jesus went and he turned the water into wine. Why does it talk about Mary? And if it does talk about Mary, and that's important, What do we need to get from what she does in this passage? What is it that's significant enough for us, right at the beginning of Jesus starting his ministry, what is it that we need to get hold of today as apostolic people? I think this passage says something to us about honor and about submission. I think in it's somewhere in, in Mary's response in the way she encouraged Jesus and honored him in that moment it brought about something why did Jesus say it's not time surely if he just called together his disciples who he was trying to show that he you know this was good that they'd followed him Surely he would want them to know that he knew what he was talking about, that he knew what was happening, and yet it records to us the fact that Jesus says, my time has not yet come. It's not the right time for this. I wonder whether something of what Mary said to Jesus called out the supernatural into a time that was now. It either, either Jesus didn't know what he was talking about, or he was lying to his mom, or he actually knew it wasn't time. But, but Mary goes to Jesus in the middle of this wedding, and she goes, Jesus, they've run out of wine. Can you do anything? You see, honor is the ability to see the gift of the person standing in front of you, to see who they are, to see what's inside of them, and to call that out. And in the way that Mary postured her heart towards Jesus in that moment, she went to him and she was like, Jesus, you got this. I believe in you. Something of Mary's encouragement caused Jesus to step up and to do this. That's phenomenal, isn't it? I literally lost myself in this passage for a few weeks over the summer, going, what? There's a role as a mom in this passage, even to Jesus, that in her ability to honor him, caused something to be a now word that wasn't even meant to be now. I I need your minds to try and get hold of the significance of that because if we're talking about being apostolic people, about being in relationship with the Father and with one another, then we are mothers and fathers to one another. And we have a role and we have responsibilities in the family of God to demonstrate something of the heart of God. And right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, the, the gospel goes, this is what a mom looks like. She saw who Jesus was in that room. She believed in who he was, and she called it out of him to actually be able to bring about a supernatural miracle, even though it wasn't time. Ah! (laughs) Ah! See, not only did her honoring Jesus change stuff in that room but the honor it was like as she'd done that it actually created more honor because the result in the passage is that the bridegroom who knew nothing about what was going on was then honored and honor tends to actually produce more honor the more you are honorable and honor the more it creates honor and a sense of that person being honorable so they begin to honor I think there's a culture of heaven that is all about honor. And my heart's desire is to go, God, what I see in heaven, let it be so on earth. Let us model something on earth that we see going on in heaven because heaven is a place of honor. Jesus modeled it all the way through. Can you remember a couple of weeks ago, Dan Dan talked about a song that he'd written um, because I'd, I'd encouraged him about what his dreams were. And he'd come to me and he said, my dreams are that I would write a song and I would um, make movies. And he ends up writing this song. I just want you to think for a second. What would that have looked like if he'd have brought me his song? If he'd have brought me his offering? And as a mom, I'd have gone, it's all right. Don't really like the tune. could improve those words there. It's all right, have another go. Actually makes me feel sick even just saying it because because there's something so precious about somebody bringing something of who they are to you in a moment. And in that moment you've got the ability to see the gift of the one, of what they're bringing, and you can go, that's phenomenal. I love your heart behind it. I love what you've put into that song. I love the fact that you dared to follow your dreams. Yes, this bit we might need to work on a little bit. We might need to just change the harmony slightly there, see if we can improve it together. But but that is incredible. And there's something inside my son as I say those words that cause him to come alive because he's realizing that his mom believes in him. That he's realizing when I say to him, you know, Dan, this isn't just a song. This is going to raise. This is going to raise all the money that you need for your missions trip. And he looks at me. and am like, what? <laughs> he doesn't see that. He just sees a this offering that he's brought me. And yet, a mother's heart goes, This could be massive. And guess what? It was. It raised ten thousand pounds and led to. Testimony after testimony after testimony because he dared to bring himself in that moment. I am sad to say that often, in fact, both my kids in the last two weeks have experienced the opposite of that in in church and in their school and in in places where they have brought themselves, where they've offered who they are and they've actually been met with the... don't see it and it breaks my heart as a mom and I want to stir our hearts today to go does anybody else want to bring about a culture of honor everywhere we go does anybody else want God to sow? Convict their heart by his Holy Spirit that we understand the importance of what it is when we speak the words of life and when we speak belief into someone and we encourage them in such a way. Or is it just me? (laughs) I think the other thing this passage shows me is right at the start, because Jesus is saying, it's not time. He demonstrates to his disciples in that moment what it looks like to submit to a mom. That's phenomenal, isn't it? That's phenomenal that the King of Kings, Jesus, would come, but he would come as a baby. He would come as a son to earthly parents and he'd be raised by them, and he would be disciplined by them, and he would have to do as they, they told him to do. In fact, he, he took on his, father's, his earthly father's business, became an apprentice to him, and at the age of 30, as an apprentice, that's when you take on your father's business. At the age of 30, Jesus went, yeah, it's time to take on my father's business. See, I have another father in heaven, and this is my mission, and this is the business that I'm about now. Jesus was in submission. He showed us, he demonstrated it. And before his disciples, in that wedding, even though he said to his mom, it's not time, he got up and he did it. I find that phenomenal and challenging. And I think that Mary was in submission as well to Jesus. I think that she could have gone and gone, Jesus, for goodness sake. Can you get up and do something about this? I think she could have gone and and nagged him and nagged him and nagged him until he got up and did it. I think she could have gone to him and said, I've done so much for you. This is the least you can do for me. You see, she didn't use any of those things, any of some of those things that as women, we can find ourselves doing. She said, Is there anything you can do? And then she walked away because her belief in her son in that moment and of who he is in that moment, she was like, I believe in our connection. I believe in this love. I can actually leave that now and walk away and trust you with the response of what you're going to do. And I think that the, the servants in the story were also in submission. Think about it. This woman comes to them and says, do whatever he tells you to do. Now, what he told them to do was to fill these massive water um, jars and then get a pitcher and put it in and take that water to the Master of Ceremonies and pour it out. Now, that's ridiculous, and they would probably be fi- like sacked on the spot because how ridiculous to take to the Master of Ceremonies some water. It only changed to wine as they began to pour it out. There was something in their hearts that were like, okay, this woman is telling us what to do here and we're going we're gonna to do that. We're going to submit the, the potential embarrassment, the potential ridiculousness of this situation and we're going to do what we've been asked to do. I think that right at the start of Jesus' ministry, we have, yes, a story about new wine and about water changing to wine, but we have a story about what honor looks like, of what submission looks like, and of how much Jesus was actually operating in those two things. I wonder whether as apostolic people we need to get hold of those two cultures. Have I told you the story of when Jez and I first met? We first met when I was 13 and he was 19. He is six years older than me. And he was uh, an instructor, a water ski instructor, at a Scripps Union camp where we, we used to go. And uh, this was my first summer to this Scripps Union camp, um, age 13. And I was really excited to water ski. Yes, I wanted to water ski, but I also found the water ski instructor quite in- attractive. and uh, so. So it was my pleasure to, to be taught by this 19-year-old uh, how to water ski. Now, anybody that knows Jez knows that he's very systematic, he's very logical, he's very su- sequential. So when he explains something to you, he sits you down, he says, right, this is what you need to do. You put your feet like this, the rope is here. This is what it's going to feel like as the boat pulls you out of the water. You keep your arms locked at all times, keep your arms locked, and hold on to that rope. okay? now let the boat do its work. And Jez got into the boat, and his job was to push that throttle down. Is that the right term? Yeah. To push the throttle down as hard as he could to try and get enough power to lift me out of the water. And I'm very pleased to report that on my first go at water skiing, I got up. And I was like, see, I can do this. You see, if anybody wants to know who I am, I am So determined, I have a a tenaciousness about me that when I want to do something or impress someone, (laughs) I go for it with all of my heart and with all of my strength. And there's this like inside of me of like, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it. Okay? So I'm there and I'm water skiing. And Jez begins to turn the boat and I hit a wave and I begin to plummet into the freezing cold sea in London, trying to avoid the jellyfish as I go down. Now what Jez didn't tell me, I guess because he assumed that everybody knew, everybody did it, he never told me what to do when you you fall, when you hit a bump and you're going into the sea. All I knew is that I was told to hold on to that rope (laughs) at all times. So I am going deeper and deeper into this sea and I am thinking, why is he not stopping? And this boat, I can, I can feel it, it's trying to speed up, it's trying to turn round, and yet I'm going deeper and deeper, and I get to the point where I'm thinking, i am she going to drown? Because this man isn't going to stop the boat. And just at the point before I drown, thankfully, something in my brain goes, oh, I'll just let go of the rope. And as I do that, I come up to the, the surface. But Genuinely, I'm expecting Jez to apologize. I'm genuinely thinking that he's probably sad in his heart that he nearly killed me. (laughs) And actually what happened was, my head pops up out of the water and I suddenly get the ferociousness of a man shouting at me going, for goodness sake, let go of the rope when you fall in. It's a sign and a wonder that we got married. (laughs) But you see, there was reconciliation. It's all good. (laughs) But there's something about this mission that we were on, which was to water ski, Jez's mission to teach me to water ski. But in order for that to happen, when we hit a bump, when we came across a problem, submission, I think, looks like letting go of that rope. It looks like letting go of control in that situation, from my point. And trusting that Jez is going to submit the boat, he's going to pull back on the throttle, he's going to come back round, he's going to pick me up, and we're going to have another go. See, the Bible tells us to submit one to another. And anybody can say that they submit to someone in authority, but you only really know that you submit to somebody in authority when you hit a bump. When you face something that's making you feel like you're going to drown, then you really know whether you're wanting to take control of that situation or whether you're wanting to let go and go, do you know what? I'm going to trust in my connection with them, in their heart for me, in their ability to lead in this moment, to come back round and to pick me up and for us to have another go. Now, don't get me wrong, submission is not disconnection. and these. This is what I see over and over and over again, that when people hit a p- upon a problem in a relationship, their way of coping with that problem is to go, okay, I can't get angry, I can't get upset, the best thing I can do here is, is actually disconnect from that person right now because then I stay safe. Submission isn't disconnection. Submission is trusting in your connection enough that if you let go of control, they're going to come back round. Yeah? And you're going to have another go. And you're going to try that mission again. Submission is not disengaging the heart. Not actually trying. Not actually um, being willing to express what it is that's that you're bringing to that situation. I. I guess we all submitted as we drove to church today because because there are rules on this road that we have to submit to, the laws of the land. But there's nothing really that heart connect about that, is there? But in terms of relationships, in terms of of learning what it looks like to submit one to another, there's something about actually being willing to bring all that we are into that situation, even though the person disagrees with us. I did not know to let go of that rope. Jez assumed it was so basic that everybody would, okay? We hit upon a problem. You could argue it from either side. The important thing was that I actually submitted and went, I can't control this anymore. I'm gonna let go. And he's gonna come back around and pick me up. Hmm. I would love to learn what it looks like to engage with one another well, to bring who we are. And it's interesting, isn't it, how honor and submission are so closely linked? Because if you're wanting somebody to fully show up as they are, then they need mothers and fathers to call out who they are. They need somebody to look inside of them and see the gold that's inside of them and call it out. That's what honor is. And as you learn to do that with one another and to show up in that relationship, if you hit upon a disagreement, something that just feels like, I cannot get any kind of understanding from where you're coming from. I couldn't understand why Jez wasn't stopping the boat. As I submitted, and it was explained to me, there's something about that heart posture of submission that the Father loves. And if it wasn't true, then why did Jesus demonstrate it in his very first miracle that he did? Why did he show us the importance of submitting to his mom? He's going to tell you if you answer it. (laughs) I think that um, we've talked about heaven looking like relationship. We've talked about heaven, the heart of heaven looking like a father's relationship with a son, with, with Holy Spirit. There's something beautiful about the priority of relationship. We've looked at how Jesus came as a, as a man and, and paid the ultimate price so that we could know the father, so that we could have relationship with Jesus. I think heaven's priority is relationship and that life is all about relationship. And I think submission looks like keeping the main thing, the main thing. That it's about keeping our relationship as a priority, rather than what we're trying to do. Yeah? I could actually tell you loads of examples of, of what what that's looked like, of the cost that, it, that there's been sometimes in my life up with leaders and, and, and what it's felt like as I've learned what submission to to actually submit. But all I can tell you is that it pleases the Father so much when you posture your heart to believe in connection, to believe in relationship, that you can let go of control. And you can have another go. There's something of the pleasure of heaven that falls on that situation even if you don't get to water ski again even if it doesn't happen again there's something of how we posture our heart to submit one to another that so delights the father as we submit to him and go God trust your love for me it's my pleasure to submit to you let's have another go apostolic people are given authority from Jesus. The authority that Jesus won back for us. <laughs> and he asks us to go and to bring about a culture of heaven on earth and that the culture in heaven I would, I would say is, is about love and love looks like honor and love looks like submitting to one another. I want everywhere I go to make a home for my king, <laughs> so that when, when he walks into the room, so to speak, he feels at home. And that's why we know that all sickness goes, that we can see the dead raised, that we can, we can see diseases flee because that's what heaven looks like. So when we pursue those things, yes, we're going after his kingdom. We're welcoming the king to come and feel at home in this place. I want to ask us as a church if we need to posture our hearts this morning and go, God, would you do what you need to do in my heart so that I know your Father's love for me so that honor and submission <laughs> are cultures that I create. I don't just have to try and do it myself, but I, everywhere I go, because of how my heart is postured, I'm creating that culture. Anybody else want to pursue that? <laughs> I want to ask um, just any, any of the women, any of the, the mums in this room that have just been stirred in this passage that goes, do you know what, I want that. I want to be able to look in somebody's heart and see who they are in that room, see the gift of that person, and I want to call them into the supernatural, even ahead of what they believe is possible. Is there anybody in this room that goes, I want that? I just want to invite you to stand, if that's you. This is for dads as well, but I'm, but I'm specifically wanting to actually stir up the mom's hearts in this room. Holy Spirit, ha. I pray that every woman standing would encounter something of the honor that you feel for them right now that they would grasp hold of something of what it is that you see inside of them, Lord, and that they right now would feel a stirring that goes, God, do whatever you need to do in me so that I can, I can be that mom in this apostolic culture. I can be that woman that actually changes everything in a moment because of the way that I choose to encourage, because of the way that I choose to honor. God, would you stir our hearts Holy Spirit. And I want to invite every, every man that just wants his heart to break again with the Father's love for, for him, that wants to be able to demonstrate the Father's love everywhere he goes, that wants to be able to love people with the love of the Father everywhere he goes. I want to invite you men to stand too. You know, Aula a couple of weeks ago spoke and she talked about how she was struggling with her identity and how she actually was able to hear from heaven about what God the Father said about her. And as brilliant as that was, there was a part of my heart that broke because I'm like, where are the men telling that teenage girl how beautiful she is? What's inside of her? How much she's loved? How much she's celebrated? You see... 85% of our identity comes from a dad. 85% of what we think about ourselves comes from a dad. And Father, I want to ask that there would be a fresh outpouring of your love in the lives of these dads in this room that we would grasp hold of and see something in heaven of the father's love that would change us forever god that would change our hearts to love the way that you love that would change us and give us that ability and that that um apostolic nature that goes god as i see you doing this i want to see that happen on earth i don't want any child to grow up without knowing who they are. I don't want any person struggling with their identity because it's my job on earth to speak out who they are. So God, would you, would you awaken <laughs> first love? Would you awaken a fresh outpouring of your love, God? Love for you and love for one another. That as apostolic people, <laughs> we would receive something in this moment God the right hand of the father upon our heads giving us all authority from heaven in this moment. Ha. For every person in this room God I pray for an awareness of just how much authority they've got. <laughs> just who it is that's sending them. Who it is that's believing in them that's shouting you got this. You got this. I believe in you. God, awaken our hearts to understand what apostolic people look like and how we get to go and demonstrate your love and the culture of love to everyone in our community. For your glory, Jesus. I'm going to ask the band to lead us in a really well-known hymn um, that is about his love and, I, and just if you want to just press in to more of, of that love for him and for one another, I, I, I just hope that this song stirs that in you but but more than that, the reason why I want them to play this song is because this was the anthem of the Welsh revival) <laughs> There was something that they sang in this music that actually stirred them to go after revival, that everybody would know this love. And I just pray that as we sing this song, <laughs> that the, the, our Lord, I just invite you. I invite you, God, to encounter us in this love and to stir our hearts for revival again in this land (laughs) an outpouring of love that changes us and this land forever